from the dust of the earth God created man his breath made man a living soul for God so loved the what they just sang I mean if we could grasp it in our hearts that when we came into this world when we were born into this world we were born to serve the Lord Nothing else in the whole world is as important as you and I serving the Lord. You can gain the whole world, Jesus said. But if you lose your soul, what shall it profit you? I love the wonderful theology that 
is written into our songs. They're a, a whole nother form of gospel being preached to souls everywhere throughout the world. If you have your Bible, turn to Jonah, and we're only going to read about seven verses, the first chapter, and Jonah is real close to the New Testament. So if you get lost in the middle of the Bible, just keep going towards the New Testament, and you'll find Jonah. And if you've got the Bible I have, it's on page 1356. If you don't, you're on your own. All right, everybody's familiar with the book of Jonah. It's loaded. It's loaded with truth, with principles, with wisdom. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Anywhere in the Bible where the wickedness of man has come up before God, be it in the Antediluvian world, be it from Sodom and Gomorrah, be it in Jonah's case, in Jonah's world, any time that our wickedness comes up before God, you mark it down. The judgment of God is very near. Look it up, read it in the Bible. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. Notice how many times he goes down. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. There's something that's interesting here. The Lord sent out a great wind, and the Hebrew is, the Lord threw out a great wind. And that same throughout is the same throughout where Saul was throwing his javelins at David. And the Lord threw out a great wind. The Lord knows how to throw things into our path, into our lives to save us, to prevent us from trying to escape the Lord. We look at it and we say, oh, it's an awful thing. How can a loving God do that? A loving God can do that because he is just that, a loving God. And he'll throw things at us in order to keep us from spending eternity without God. But the Lord sent out a wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. 
Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, every one of his fellow came and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. Are there any lots Following, uh, are there any lots falling upon anyone that's under the sound of my voice this morning? If the lots could fall from heaven, they would fall on millions and millions and millions of leaders, of parents of politicians, of preachers, of evangelists. We all know how hard it is to exercise. Whether we choose to walk or run or jog on treadmills or on bike paths or machines, But in my case, since both my knees have been replaced, I've got to use stationary bikes or just walking for my exercise. I can't run on these knees. The pounding is is too difficult to deal with. And the truth is, in most cases, we all know how to run. We have great urges to run. We have stamina. We see ourselves running like deers. We dream of losing that weight as we run. We see these joggers all over the city running. I see them everywhere. You see them everywhere. They are pumped. They are muscular. They are profusely sweating. And look at them. And we look at them. And we look at them with envy. But the truth is, we hate them because they can and we can't. And we all know what is true about exercising to lose weight, to stay healthy, to look healthy. Because we all know that thin is in. But when we parallel running with our spiritual lives, we all know how to run and run fast, especially when it comes running away from God. Are there any Jonas in the house this morning? Are there any Adam and Eves in the house? God came down at the cool of the day 
And he said, Adam, where art thou? Adam was running. He was running away from God. Are there any Demases in the house who are running away from God because they love this present world? Are there any Peters in the house? Are there any Gideons in the house? And the Bible goes on and on and on where men and women were running from God, running away from God, running in every direction, and God shows up and he calls out, where art thou? The prophet, after a great victory, he runs, he wants to kill himself, he wants to hide, he's hiding in a cave, and God shows up and says, Elisha, what are you doing here? What we all learn quickly after our deliverances from sin is that our walk with God is progressive. Our walk with God is moving all the time. Our walk with God is always getting further and further away from sin and away from the darkness and away from the world and closer and closer and closer to God. If, you're not, if, you're, if your life is not like that, if our lives are not running or getting further away from the darkness and getting closer to God, then something is wrong. There are religions, there are doctrines that make Christians believe that once they get saved, they have plateaued and the grace is going to cover everything. But if we're not getting closer and closer and closer to God and look more and more like Jesus, something's wrong. Jesus himself prayed earnestly to his father in John 17, 17, didn't he say? He said, Father, I thank you for those that thou hast given to me. And Father, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil that's in the world. And Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. What Jesus was praying for the Father was that those that the Father gave him, that they would continue to be set apart Set apart, set apart, away from the world, away from sin, away from the darkness, and get closer and closer and closer to God. That's how God designed this plan. When as leaders, pastors, parents, or Christians in general, anytime we run from God, it's going to damage others. Be it those who love us very much, be it our own family, our own children, our own friends, not to mention what it's going to do to us personally. Lord, help us to see that every story in the Word of God that mentions runaways from God is our story as well. Every story in the Bible 
that shows a man or a woman, a prophet or somebody running away, a parent running away from God. It's there to remind us that that's our story and what happened to them can happen to us. And let me tell you something. What's going on in this country is very provoking. It's very frightening. It's very worrisome. And it's got a lot of people on edge. And a lot of people are doing crazy things. Because Satan has been loosed. The only thing that can bind Satan is the chain. The word of God and the spirit of God. But because we've closed the book and we've closed prayer. And we've taken God out of our marketplace. And the more we remove God, the more room we make for the devil. And the devil is loose. And he's loose to tempt the very saints of God. He's there to tempt the very best in the kingdom of God. And we're all feeling the pressure. We're all feeling the weight. I feel it every time I stand behind this pulpit. You feel it every time you come into the house of God. You feel it when you take your kids out to a ball game or when you're going shopping. You can see it. You can smell it. You can feel it. What can you feel? You can feel the presence of the devil. Do we understand that as Christians having the Holy Spirit of God within us, there are going to be times in our lives in which the Holy Ghost is going to urge us to walk away from people, to walk away from places, and to walk away from things. That's how it's going to be for the saints of God. Because this world is completely surrounded now and our nation is being surrounded now by evil. And the Holy Spirit, that which is in us is holy. And it wants no part of what is unholy. And if we happen to make relationships or go to places or get involved with things that are unholy or have the potential to bring us into unholiness, the Holy Spirit is going to put a finger on us and he's going to want to sanctify us, set us apart from those things which have the potential to destroy us. To destroy us. God calls us and God is calling us every day, just about every day. God is calling us to be kind. God's calling us to share our money and our time and our possessions. God is calling us to be patient. God is calling us to love more and forgive more. God calls us to speak out against sin and injustices. 
The greatest injustice in the world is the slaughter and murdering of millions and millions and millions of babies. And we got half the country screaming and pleading and marching. And they're all mad and they're all angry and they're all upset because they feel we want to take away their freedom. And it's not freedom at all when it hurts someone else. God calls us to spend time with people we don't like or people we don't agree with. Calls us to be peacemakers. Calls us to stand up for those who have failed and need recovery. Calls us to make sacrifices, to trust him for direction. He calls us to biblically discipline our children. He calls us to nurture them in the things of God. And while God calls us to things we don't like to do, they are always things that God has our best interest in. Look at the book of in the book of Acts. God was when 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 the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit started to call God's people into all kinds of things. And he started to call his disciples to do things they didn't especially want to do. But when they did those things that the Spirit of God called them to do, guess what happened? God showed up. Miracles happened. Blind eyes opened. Prison doors opened. Shackles fell off. Devils were cast out. God calls us to stay in places because our work is not done. You may not know this. Some of you might have caught on two and a half, three years ago. I had my sights on retiring, perhaps moving to Florida for three months out of the year. I was so envious of Sherman Evelyn, I couldn't stand him. And just getting out from under the pressures of pastoring, I had it in my mind that I was going to retire. But God had the nerve to awaken me out of a restful sleep and made it clear to me that I was to keep pastoring and keep my mouth shut until he spoke again. God calls us both ways. George and Iva Bailey moved to Florida to enjoy retirement and the luxury of sunshine. The Davises chose Florida as a wonderful place to live and continue the pharmaceutical employment. But in both cases, God called them back to Newark where they could enjoy the spiritual benefits of Zion and family connections. You see, folks, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes into our hearts to live 
And a lot of times the Holy Spirit likes to be in spiritual climates and places where holiness is welcome. And the bottom line is this. God calls his people to hard things because it's the hard things, the risky things, the daring things that bring healing into our world and into our lives and into our homes and into our families. So here we are. Men like Jonah, Gideon, David, and many others in the Old Testament and New Testament who abandoned God. Prophet after prophet, disciple after disciple, received the word of God and delivered it to the people, while others, when they got the call, they ran the other way. Moses tried to run the other way. Gideon tried to run the other way. Peter tried to run the other way. Many times, and in our text, Jonah for sure tried to run the other way. Many times in the Bible it says, now the word of the Lord came to so-and-so to arise and go to such and such a place and say such and such a thing. Stop and think about that. Adam, where art thou? Elijah, what you doing here in the cave? David, what have you done? Where's Uriah? Jonah, where are you? Demas, what are you doing out here in the world? Jeremiah, he cried out in his... He is a prophet that God already told him before he called him to be a prophet. Nobody's going to listen to you, but you preach it. You talk about an assignment. And Jeremiah says, oh, earth, 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 not the sand and the mountains out here, this earthen vessel. Oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. The point is they're all running. Many are running from the presence of the Lord. And stop and think about it. How can anybody in their right mind run from the presence of the Lord? When we were kids, we liked to play hide and seek. The bigger the house, the more places to hide. And so the kids, we used to run and hide. And some would try to hide behind the TV like we did. Or some tried to hide behind a lamp. But her mother or father, in my case, mother, no father, the mother would come in, or your mother would come in, or your parents would come in. And there you would be hiding. But a foot sticking out, a head sticking out, an arm sticking out. What's the point? I hear the bells of St. Mary. <laughs> What's the point? There's no place to hide. There's no place that you can find in this whole world where you can hide from God. This is how it is with God. No matter where we hide, God is there. And you might find this interesting. When Jonah ran away from the presence of the Lord, 
He was not afraid of the Ninevites. The Ninevites, which is now modern-day Iraq, back then and even today in many countries, people are brutal. They are cruel. But Jonah didn't run away from God because he was afraid of the Ninevites. You know what he was afraid of? Jonah hated the Ninevites. He wasn't afraid of them. He was afraid that God was going to save them. Huh? A prophet, a preacher, an evangelist. And he didn't want God to save the bad people. Jonah was running, but he was afraid God was going to save them. And he didn't like those people. This is how it is with God. So as Jonah is on the run, the Lord hurls and throws out a great storm at him. We don't like storms. We don't like emergencies. We don't like catastrophic events. But behind many of those, there's a God trying to save people, trying to save cities, trying to save nations. It was a storm that God threw at me when I was in the first half of my military assignment. And had not God thrown that storm at me, I may have never, ever showed up in a place called Newark, Ohio. Not every storm is a bad storm. Not every blow is a knockout blow. And all the mariners on board, when that storm hit, were afraid. And every man cried unto his God. And they started to cast the cargo overboard. They started to jettison, jettison all the weight. And guess where Jonah is? But Jonah is in the bottom of the ship and he has fallen asleep. People are in trouble. People are in a storm. People's worlds are being turned upside down. And where is Jonah? He's asleep. What a metaphor 
for the church today. People are getting careless. People rather do other things than worship God. People would rather do anything. What a metaphor of the church in America today. They got time for everything but what God's thing is. And I'm not throwing rocks. I'm attacking an epidemic that's in our country and in our schools and in our colleges. Nobody has time anymore for God. And what's happening? The church is sleepwalking. Jonah's in the bottom of the ship dreaming how he's going to escape. The text speaks to our hearts, church. What a metaphor. Here's the man who was supposed to bring the word of God to a nation who's about to have the judgment of God fall upon them because their wickedness has come up before God. And so he reaches for a part-time prophet and he says, go to Nineveh. You're their only hope to save them. And Jonah is on a ship to Tarshish and he's asleep in the bottom of the ship. What an urgency. The wickedness of Nineveh has come up before God and it's the last shot. It's the last opportunity for Nineveh. You may not agree with me, but according to gospel, prophecy, and revelation, we're coming up very close to the last shot for America to turn or burn. You don't have to agree with me, but just watch the news if you can stand it. Professing themselves to be wise. America is becoming foolish. Every person who is running away from God is in the same boat as Jonah this morning. In a similar position, God has called us to be God's representatives on earth. Didn't Jesus teach us how to pray? Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The shipmaster came to Jonah. This is embarrassing. And he said, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise and call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And now Jonah is being rebuked by a pagan. 
You want to see your face get red? Let some pagan on the job or some pagan neighbor or some pagan member of your family point the finger at you and say, I hear you curse God. I see you sleeping in bed every Sunday. You go to church when you want to. I see you don't know how to treat people right. It's embarrassing. That's what's happening in America right now. The pagans in America are laughing at the church because they go to the gambling casinos and there they see the church members. They go into the bars, there they see the church members. They're on the street corner, GD this and JC that, they see the church members. They're getting mad, their marriages are breaking up, their homes are all tore up. And the pagans are just pointing their fingers at the church who's asleep. Oh, they're moving, but they're asleep. It's a message that challenges us this morning, and it challenged me as I studied it. And when these pagans learn that he's running from God, they knew why they were in trouble. They knew more about God than Jonah did. They knew when you try to run from God, he'll throw a storm at you. He'll he'll throw uh, something at you that'll stop you, put you on your back, wake you up. Because God loves us that much, church. And when Jonah confessed, they're pagans. But what Jonah confessed and said, I am a Jew. I'm one of God's children. The pagans become even more fearful. And they knew now the reason they were in trouble was because here was a man of God who was acting like a pagan, running away from God. And they said, we've got to get rid of this guy. Jonah said, just throw me overboard. And they said, well, wait a minute. Let's flip a coin. Heads you stay, Jonah. Tails, you're in the water. And they cast lots. And the lot fell upon Jonah. Anybody here? Anybody listening to me via live stream? Anybody anywhere? Do you have a lot on your head? Do you have a finger pointing out of heaven on you? Jonah would rather die 
Listen, Jonah would rather die than do what God called him to do. Stubborn pride. It's awful, church. Have we ever been there, saints? Yeah, we've been there. I'd rather die than to forgive that person. I'd rather die than to confess my secret sins. I'd rather die than say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I would rather die than let go of the world. This message to this church and all who are live streaming, you can run, but you can't hide. And the kids sing a little song, come out, come out from wherever you are. Why? Because God loves us. Hey, kids, give me your attention for a second. You may think that this kind of preaching is getting into your sand pile. But trust me, the best friend you got, you don't know it yet, but people like me are your best friend. Is it right? Can I have a high five? Trust me, sometimes I can get you aggravated and sometimes you can get your parents aggravated. You're not my problem, you're their problem. But here's the truth, nobody's gonna love you like your parents love you. And nobody's gonna love you like the saints love you. So if God talking to you he knocks on your heart door. You listen to him. He's trying to save you a whole world of misery. Hiding from God's calling is a common struggle because our flesh is always going to run from God. We know the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. But if we can bring ourselves around to submitting to God, the Spirit will be willing and God will send the power for us to overcome all of our obstacles. Hiding from God can also occur when we are present in worship. We can actually be here while our hearts are far from Him. That's something you young people got to discipline about and, and, the, and the olders as well. We're sitting in church we're here physically, but our hearts are not here. We're thinking about what we're going to do this afternoon, what we're going to do tomorrow, what's going on here, what's going on there. You can be present, but be absent at the same time. Hiding from God can also occur when we are present in worship. So the question becomes, in light of all these examples in the Bible, 
who were running away from God, what might some of us be running from when it comes to God? Why would anyone want to run away from being the people of God? Had it not been for the people of God, some cities, some nations, some homes would have been utterly destroyed. But because God's people were in these places, God withheld his judgment. And if it weren't for the Christians in America, America would have been blown away a long time ago. Oh, you can knock the Christians. You can try to politically and legally remove every influence of Christianity, but it's Christianity that's keeping God from blowing America away. So the question becomes, in light of all those examples, why would anyone want to run away from the presence of God? What would it look like for the churches in America if they could stand up together against the greed and against all the lying and all the wickedness and all the perversion? that's going on in our country. What would it be like for the church to stand up against all those millions of babies who are being canceled physically because of the irresponsibility of their parents? What would it be like for the church to say to the church, be ye holy, for God is holy. What would it be like for the church to say to the schools, and our teachers and the children. What if every parent went back to the schools and said, we want to bring God back into the curriculum. We want prayer to come back in the curriculum. We want Bible reading to come back in the curriculum. We want our children to know about God, not only in the home, but in the school as well. Hiding from God, running from God, ignoring God, being too busy for God, disobeying God are decisions that can impact others in a very negative way. David's disobedience brought murder to the doorstep of David. Jonah's disobedience brought storms into the lives of the mariners who sailed with him. Achan's sin, as they were going into the promised land, and after they had taken Jericho, now they were going to take Ai. But Achan, he stole a Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver. He stole $352 and a wedge of gold, $3,200, and caused Israel to lose 36 soldiers, men in the battle at Ai. One man's choice affected a whole nation 
and caused them to lose the second battle in the land flowing with milk and honey. And 36 of their great soldiers were murdered. And God stopped the whole thing. And nothing was going to go any further until that sin was exposed. And you know the story. And they got a hold of Achan. And they cast lots. And the lot fell on Achan. You want to know how much God hates sin? They took Achan. They took the wedge. They took the silver. They took the Babylonian garment. They took all his herds, all his sheep, all his oxen, all his children, all his sons, all his daughters, and they stoned him to death and then burned him. And then Israel was free to go forward for the Lord. You can thank God that's not an Old Testament thing now. That was an Old Testament thing then. You know what the Bible says? If they had a disobedient, a rebellious child, and the parents couldn't do anything, they brought him to the elders and said, can't do a thing with this child. They stoned the child. Now, we can't get a hold of something like that because we're too inoculated. We're, we're too drugged on how God looks at sin. And here's good news. I close with this. God often works for good in spite of our failures. You see, Jonah failed miserably. But before it was all over, a whole boatload of pagans got saved as well as a whole nation of Ninevites. And the Bible says, when Jonah went through, 40 days are determined and God's going to destroy this place. He didn't even want to preach a full sermon. He preached a mini-sermon. But the people of Nineveh believed God. That's why when God calls you, you got to go because he knows the end from the beginning. He's trying to help us. And the king, I'd like to have a king like this. He decreed that every man and every beast, the animals, the herds, be covered with sackcloth and that all animals and humans alike cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. 
And God withheld his judgment upon all the Ninevites. Be encouraged. God knows how to work good in spite of our failures. And being about healing for all. But you've got to stop running and hiding from God. Listen to this parable. Oh, excuse me. Listen to this parallel from the book of Jonah and jump it up to Mark the fourth chapter. Jonah is in a boat. A storm comes. Jesus is in a boat. A storm comes. Jonah is asleep in the ship and the winds are great. Jesus is asleep in the ship and the winds are great. The ship captain wakes up Jonah. The disciples, fearing for the storm, they wake up Jesus. The sailors ask Jonah questions. The disciples ask Jesus questions. The seas were rough. In Jonah's story, and in the New Testament story of Jesus in Mark. Jonah is thrown off and the wind is calmed. Jesus stands up and calms the winds. The sailors are in awe and the disciples are in awe. What's the difference? Jesus is a much better man than Jonah. Jonah is running away from the will of God, seeking, like millions of people today, to please themselves. Jesus runs into the will of God, seeking to please God, and save the world. We can sum up the whole theme of the Bible by asking one question. Are we going to live for the will of God? Or are we going to live for our own will? And we can thank Jesus who said in the, gather, in the garden, Father, not my will, but thine be done. There's only one way to get out of this world safely. You've got to mean it and say it from your heart or you can't get out of this world safely. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. There are many ways to hide from God. And you can run from God, or you can fall way behind from following God. We can run the opposite way. We can get too busy to follow him, too busy to worship him. We can fall asleep spiritually when our families and the world around us needs us. 
I close with this. Ephesians 3.16, that God may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man and that Christ, listen to this, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Another translation, the Weymouth says, that Christ may settle down and be at home in your hearts by faith. Without question, one of the most miraculous Christian doctrines is that Jesus Christ himself, through the Holy Spirit, can actually enter a heart, settle down, and be at home there. Jesus will live in any human heart that welcomes him. The greatest thing that can happen to anybody in this world by far is for God to come into a human heart and find a welcome mat out for him to be a part of our lives. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 23. If a man love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we, we, plural, will love him, and come to him, and make our home with him. And that reality was made possible through the cross. And when Pentecost came, and they were there in the upper room, oh, what an amazing entrance took place in 120 hearts when God himself began to live in human hearts. The tents, the tabernacles, the Herod's temples, and any other temples that were made with hands were all now obsolete. God never wanted to dwell in a tent or in a temple or in a church or in a building. He wants to dwell and live in you and you and you and you and you and me. There are many ways to hide from God. Matthew 121. While Joseph was in a pickle, didn't know what to do with Mary. Here she was pregnant, and he wanted to put her away privately. But then again, God wanted marriage to be honorable. And an angel showed up in Joseph's dream and said, Hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as thy wife. For that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost. And then the angel said, by the way, Joey, thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God is with us. God is in us. God is a part of us. Why not take a moment as the song leader comes? Don't let this one get away.
Why not take a moment to pray and ask God to help you catch up with your Savior should you be following him afar off? And watch how fast God will give you the grace, the courage, and the strength to make that decision. This book we call the Word of God is basically all about one thing and one thing primarily. And that's to get every one of us, young people, middle-aged people, old people, to get every one of us alike to see the danger of trying to run from God. That's all the book's about. For God so loved the world, he gave his own son. And the only message he wants us to get is that it's dangerous to come into this life and not connect with God. Because you'll be lost forever. And the flames that'll torment you are not real flames. They're the memories of the times you sat in church and you ignored God. And you thought, I have a whole lot of time. I'll get right with God when I want to. It's like the the man that said, I'll build greater barns. I'll eat, drink, and be merry. And the Holy Spirit showed up and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then whose will this be? All that you have. Who's going to end up with it? Not you. 